Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. He's taking off his coat. (laughs) You're in trouble. I have kept myself under for about five weeks. I've waited five to six weeks to preach this message. And then it dawned on me this morning, about 8 o'clock, I've waited 35 years. Uh, I've probably spent 40 years preparing for this message. And uh, I, I do so with such excitement. Over the last six or seven weeks, uh, we've, we've talked about the gifts of the Spirit. We've talked about what it means to live in the Spirit. It is my greatest desire that every one of you would live and be led by and filled with the Holy Spirit. It's my greatest desire that the people of the Father's house would operate in the gifts of the Spirit, not just up here, but in your real everyday lives. It's my highest opinion that there is no church if you take the Spirit away. It's of my highest regard that the the move of the Holy Spirit today is void in America. Why? Because we have opted for programs that will please the culture, accommodate the times, rather than make room for the Holy Spirit. Uh, we now do services of about 57 minutes because we got to make sure we get in and get out. And the Bible is very clear, those that wait upon the Lord, those that take time, because the Holy Spirit is uncontrollable. Hey, God is God, right? He is radical and He comes in. And, and if you can't waste your time lavishly and make room for the presence of God, you should have hit the DVR this morning. Uh, I am not a cessationist. This is not that church. This church believes in the fullness of the Spirit. I actually believe living supernatural should be the norm. That we should be supernatural people living in a natural world. And that is a witness because your words are not your witness. Your life is your witness. And God's called us to live this life of walking and being filled with the Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no creation. God sent His Spirit and it hovered over a world that was without form and void. If, if the Holy Spirit hadn't hovered and if the Word hadn't been spoken, this would be an empty place. But God hovers with His presence and He breaks the silence with a Word. You see, the God of heaven and earth longs to communicate with you. He is a conversational God. Everything depends on communication and conversation. If you haven't had good communication with your spouse, you're in trouble. All relationship rises and falls in our ability to listen, our ability to hear, our ability to communicate, and God is the God of communication and conversation, and He speaks, and the world is filled. We serve this God who wants and longs to be in relationship with you. As Jesus ascended into heaven, He said, I have many things to say to you, but you're not quite ready, but I'm going to send the Spirit of truth, and when He comes, He's going to take what is mine and share it to you. You see, Jesus did all He could do in three and a half years being outside of you. Now He wants to come on the inside of you and relate to you in a very intimate and personal way. We are to live our lives in that communication. We are to understand that on the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up and says, the Spirit of the Lord has been poured out upon all flesh, not just on the people in, but also on the servants. We begin to understand that it's not just for the Jews, but it's for the Gentiles. We understand that Christ Himself never spoke publicly until after He was baptized in water and the Spirit. We have to understand that without the move of the Spirit, there would be no life in the Spirit. You do understand it's impossible to live the Christian life without 
the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I, I cannot forgive my enemy lest the Spirit of the living God empowers me on the inside to turn the other cheek, go the second mile. So to live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit is an impossibility. And that impossibility to live like Christ is empowered by Christ. I've been trying to share with you the great gift of salvation. Say with me, I'm saved by grace. Oh, wow. I'm sa- that's a gift, right? I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Say with me, I've received the Holy Spirit. The third thing I've been trying to talk to you about are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those gifts that the presence of God releases into your life. I've been talking specifically to you about wisdom and knowledge and discernment, about healing and faith and miracles. I've saved the best and the most controversial for last. Uh, I I, I come to this point because I understand the controversy that swirls around what it means to pray in other tongues. Today, it doesn't take one heart long to understand that we live in a world where transportation is amazing. I've been on a plane and flew all over the world. I can go to Wichita, Kansas, get on a plane, and I can be in Tokyo. I can get on a plane, and I can go to Dubai. I can get on a plane, and I can go to Latin America. I can go. Transportation in the last hundred years has just gone to, right? And we, deli- we depend on that transportation for everything. There are children all over America tonight that are praying that the transportation system of the world does not break down. Because there are 493, according to CBS News, huge barges filled with containers sitting off the coast of California. And within those containers are their Christmas toys. And if the transportation system breaks down, we're not going to be able to receive the Christmas toys. So my grandchildren, all 11 of them, are praying that the transportation system does not fail. Oh, you didn't get it. You and I depend upon a transportation system in order to receive the goods that you and I have. Uh, I dare say that if the transportation system had failed, most of you would be sitting here naked. Because the threads you were wearing were made somewhere else. They came from somewhere else. We also, through COVID, have begun to understand that we depend upon communication. That in the last 40, 50 years, the ability to communicate with people through cell phones, through Zooms, through all of that, that we can communicate with one another all over the world because of these extreme digital technological breakthroughs that have happened so that we can connect with one another. People sitting at home, can I tell you, it's better in person. Love you, but it's better in person. Just ask them. Uh, But if the lines of communication break down, our world would cease to exist. If we didn't have great lines of communication, we couldn't receive from one another. I want to be very clear with you. The Holy Spirit is God. And it is God of the Spirit that communicates to you. It's the God of the Spirit. It's the Spirit of the living God that shares with you the resources that are available to you from heaven. And that without a relationship and the ability to communicate with the Spirit of the living God, you cannot receive the goods that are made in heaven. You cannot hear the wisdom that comes from heaven. And yet 82% of American Christians today have no contact with or operation in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I've told you there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one is that Pentecostals have remained illiterate about their own gift. Pentecostals and Charismatics think that if it's not spontaneous and if it's not emotional and if it's not weird that it's not God. And so many people have pushed away from the gifts of the Spirit because of the inordinate display of the gifts of the Spirit, of which I am very aware. 
The Holy Spirit is not weird. He's not odd. He is very intelligent. In fact, he is the CIA of heaven, the Central Intelligence Agency. And so I understand that people are pushed away because of that. Other people are pushed away because you cannot control the Holy Spirit. So your denominational religious world cannot control the move of the Spirit. But I'm here to say to you that I believe there is a great outpouring of the presence of the living God that's about to take place in our world. And that if we will position ourselves in a place of wisdom and of knowledge, we'll be able to communicate through the Spirit of God with one another and with Him. If we are willing to stand in the midst of a world that really makes no room for us. We still live in the midst of a religious culture that thinks we are odd. We still live in the midst of a culture that would tell me as a pastor, don't speak in tongues because it'll push the people away. That is still the world in which we live. So I'm in, I have on purpose waited to talk about this phenomenon because I want, to, I want to pull the rug out from under those resistances that are there. Did you know that if you miscommunicate, you can harm people? That if you give misinformation, if you give disinformation. And so it's very important that we understand that this God who communicates with us wants us to have a clear understanding of what he is saying. That social distancing isn't the real cripple that's going on, but a spiritual distancing has taken place. And people are separate from one another in the spirit. And they've been separated because of the mis and disinformation that's gone on. The Bible says that you should pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heaven. Every perfect gift. The Bible says that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable, that He never takes them away, that He gives them to us and for all of us. I literally believe that the gift of tongues, interpretation, and prophecy are the greatest gifts of the New Testament, that they come upon us that we might speak the things of God. Isaiah chapter 28 verse 11 says, For with stammering lips, strange, one translation says, or baby talk, another translation says, and another tongue he will speak to his people. Unknown, other tongues did not come into being on the day of Pentecost. It didn't come into being when there was a charismatic Pentecostal movement that started in the early 20th century. Isaiah says, it is with a stammering, unknown baby talk that God will speak to his people. I have two, I have 11, but two little grandchildren who have yet to be deprogrammed. I'm telling you, if you get in front of Breslin or Louis, either one, they're going, it's amazing to me how their mothers know exactly what it is they want. It's amazing to me how their older siblings know. I'm standing there looking at Breslin, and he's just, and Hudson goes, he needs this, Papa. You see, moments ago, those children were talking with God. Moments ago, they were speaking the language of heaven. And it takes us about two years to deprogram them so that they speak our tongue. The truth of the matter is, is that God has a language called heaven. The tongues do not have to be Afrikaans. They don't have to be German. They don't have to be Latin. That there is a stammering that goes on. And it is the language of the kingdom of God. And that when those children come, they prove to us in the natural that there is this language. Corinthians says that with men of other tongues and of other lips, I will speak to this people. God says, I'm going to speak to you in a language that you do not understand. I'm going to speak to you with words that you do not get. Romans chapter 8 says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our weakness. 
For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. You do understand that tongues in the Bible can be divided into several ways, but this morning, for my purposes, they can be divided into devotional and public. They can be divided into private and into public. That God speaks even when I pray. I would not be here today if I had not allowed the Holy Spirit to pray in me. I would never have survived. Because all of us come to this place where we don't know how to pray or what to pray in that situation. We come up to this place of weakness, this place of frailty. We come to the end of ourselves and we don't know what else there is to say. And yet I firmly believe that Christ lives in here. I firmly believe that there is another one living inside of me. I firmly believe that I am the home, the abode, the dwelling place of the Most High God. You could say I'm the tabernacle on legs because I carry the presence of God with me. And I got to tell you, He's for me and not against me. And that when I am weak, He is strong. And when I come to the place where I no longer know what to pray, He begins to use my vocal cords and pray on the inside of me. And that is a private devotional way of moving into a prayer of intercession that's far and beyond and uh, above anything that you can ask, think, or imagine. I truly believe that this is a gift for everyone. I want to pull the rug out from under that it's an elitist thing that it makes me better than. Uh, I don't think it makes me better than. I don't think it's a Pentecostal elitism. I'm just telling you it's essential and beneficial to my life to be able to allow Him to pray in the middle of my life. And that the church that has gone on for the last 2,000 years needs to repent for coming against those of us that walk in this reality of praying in other tongues. And they live as your neighbors. They have churches on the corners of this town. And when you start telling them that you pray in other tongues, they're going to find all kinds of ways to mock you, to put you down, to tell you that that's odd. I'm here to tell you that we're the norm. I'm here to tell you that we are unashamedly a spirit-filled congregation and that the world needs us to be who we were called to be. And that rather than being embarrassed, we should recognize that we are a witness and that we've been called to pray the Bible says that their tongues are a sign. Say a sign. Did any of you see the flag that sits out in front of the building? What flag is it? You're, you're quiet. Why aren't you talking to me? Well, there's a flag outside on a pole. Ken, put it there. What is it? Oh, it's a sign of what? America. USA. Uh, he's wearing a shirt over here. It's red. I don't know why he's wearing it. I do know why he's wearing it. It's, it's a sign of what? That you should have set your DVR. No, it, 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 it's a sign of Kansas City. Amen. Amen. So, how many know that once you see a sign, you don't have to talk? Yeah. That a sign conveys something that doesn't even need to be spoken. <laughs> how many have ever smelled smoke? What is that? It's a sign of. Hmm. Tongues are a sign. Yeah. Tongues are a sign that the presence of God Amen. is there. Tongues are a sign that people have repented and radically opened their lives up to the work of God on the inside of their life. Tongues are a sign, it says, to unbelievers. I don't care what they tell you. We do practice those signs in public. We do practice those signs because there's unbelievers in this room and they're going, what are they jabbering about? We don't know. Because the Bible says when you pray in another tongue, you talk to God and not to man. Listen. I don't feel pressured when I'm praying in my devotional tongue to make you understand what's going on. 
And I want you to understand that when we say in this room, hey, let's all pray, that there may be a half a dozen, 20, and I hope someday all of you just sitting there praying in this tongue. Because nobody needs to interpret that. Interpretation has to come up here. If someone steps up here and gets a microphone and gets everybody's attention, then we're back within the scriptures of order. But I want you to hear me. The gift of praying in the heavenly language of God is a blessing to you. It has not ceased. It has not ended. It did not begin with Pentecostals in Kansas or in Oklahoma. It is a mystery according to the scriptures. A mystery. You speak a hidden wisdom, says God. That when God begins to pray on the inside of you and there's a lack of understanding, it is a hidden wisdom. It is a mystery. It is a sign that the presence of God is moving in your life. It will require and does require a radical openness. It requires you being radically open to the things of the living God. It requires that you suspend your educational and your intellectual ability. <clears throat> There's a psychological thing that, that, that they tell me is there. It's called isolated mental ability. Isolated mental ability. I could look over at Rebecca. Rebecca could probably correct me. Isolated mental ability. It's a mental ability that you have not tapped into. It's a mental acuity that you don't know of. In fact, most people say you're running on about 10% of your ability. That means that, that there is a hidden, latent understanding, knowledge, scientific awareness that we have not tapped into. In fact, sometimes people that live on the spectrum have the ability to tap into a genius that you don't. Because sometimes people that have a social issue are able to tap into something that is yet unexplainable, but it's isolated mental ability. Can I tell you that when the Holy Spirit comes in my life, He begins to open up an isolated mental, He he taps into stuff that I would never on my own have been able to engage in. The Holy Spirit comes to unleash potential that's in your life. He comes to open up that. Other tongues. I, I, listen, I have a grandson who's about seven or eight right now. He, he, can make the, he can make every facial expression there is. He doesn't have to say a word. And you understand everything that he's communicating. Hey, hey, if you don't understand this, you, you will be in divorce court. Because if you don't learn the facial expressions of your spouse, can I tell you something? You are in trouble. See, there is, a, there is a language that is so intimate. There is a language that is so personal. There is a language that you cannot articulate within or pocket within the different languages that exist within our intellectual world. And yet, they are more meaningful to us than I love you. Those facial expressions, those sounds, if you add a sound to a facial expression, I promise you, you are communicating something. The Bible says there are so many kinds of languages in the world and none of them are without significance. Our devotional prayer life is something that is intimate. It's articulated in the most intimate of ways. St. Jude says, my beloved, you need to build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. The way to build your faith is to pray in that intimacy with God that only you and He are able to connect to. The Bible says, I pray with tongues more than you all. The Bible says, I wish that you all prayed in tongues. The Bible says, never forbid people praying in tongues. That would take about 60% of the American church and put them in conflict with the scriptures. I say, never forbid that people would pray in tongues. Very few people have the guts to do what I'm trying to do this morning. I don't think it's guts. I think I'm just fed up. 
I just think I've had it up to here with people thinking that because I'm a charismatic, I'm an unintellectual. Can I tell you that today I'll challenge anybody with PhDs, master's degrees. I'm a very well-educated man, and yet I am a midget when it comes to the intellectual ability of the spirit of the living God. More people need to become children if they want to experience this language that can really tap into Interpretation, misinterpretation, the gift of tongues, the public part of our lives needs to carry with it this interpretation, this ability to understand what is going on in the spirit. See, the gospel itself must be interpreted. Peter jumps up in the middle of this pouring out of the spirit. He goes, let me explain Jesus to you. See, even the Jesus story needs an explanation. It doesn't need a Baptist explanation. It doesn't need a Pentecostal explanation. It doesn't need an Anglican explanation. It needs the Spirit of God's explanation. We need God to explain to us this narrative of how He loved and created us and how through Jesus Christ He redeemed us and restored us back. We need the Holy Spirit to explain what the resurrection means. Without the presence of the Holy Spirit, we will be left to our denominational devices and we will remain divided because now we think great theologians are able to interpret the story of the Christ when in fact it takes the Holy Spirit to explain Jesus to you. See, many, many times we miss the reality that it was the Holy Spirit that revealed the identity of the Christ to Peter. Who do you say that I am? Well, some say, no, who do you say? And he said, the Spirit of the Father revealed that to you. Only through the Holy Spirit can we understand the Scriptures that have been given to us. It is with we allow the Holy Spirit to come and interpret the story of Jesus Christ, we will understand what is really going on in the world around us. I have worked my whole life with interpreters. I've worked in Cuba, I've worked in Russia, what a difference, I've worked in Asian countries. That interpretation of what I am saying either empowers or cripples. Your interpretation can cripple you. If you misinterpret an event in your life, it'll cripple you for life. That's why we have therapists. You must have the correct interpretation. I have listened for several years as the church has misinterpreted what's going on. They've missed the entire point. They've interpreted it through a politic, they've interpreted it through a denomination, or they've interpreted it through the culture. None of that will interpret what's going on in our world today. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal what's going on today. We must have the gift of interpretation, not just to have something up here that interprets a tongue. We must have interpretation that works in our lives at work so that we understand what God is doing in my marriage, in my job, in my family, and in the government in which I'm living in. Am I making sense? Without the gift of interpretation, we will be crippled by the memories of past experience. Without the gift of interpretation, we will never understand what's taking place to Job. Job's friends misunderstood the trial that Job was going through, and they could have crippled him there. We must have the power of the Holy Spirit to explain to us what is taking place. Prophecy, I only want to give a cursory, just a just touch across the top of if you have tongues and interpretation, you have a prophetic word. A prophetic word edifies, uplift, and exhort. A prophetic word in the New Testament under the New Covenant is not the same as an Old Testament prophecy. 
Old Testament prophecy was outside of the blood of Jesus Christ. Do not stand up in this place and think you're going to chastise, criticize, or uncover the sin of another person because you do not understand the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Christ. The death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ changes the office of a prophet, and a prophet is no longer pointing a finger to criticize or to unveil sin. Jesus died that all sin would be covered by the blood. In the New Testament, don't go to the old and start telling me that God is doing this. He is not. In the New Testament, He is edifying, uplifting, and exhorting. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Check me out. I'm in the Scriptures. Many people are shy of a prophetic ministry because of the ignorance that has been displayed within Pentecostal charismatic churches. So prophetic words always edify, uplift, exhort, unify. They don't divide. They hold up. They understand. They really are the mind of Christ revealed to us in that moment. Today, <laughs> today, I'm, I'm so excited. I, uh, I got eight minutes, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to keep moving. So you sang too long for the two visitors here. They were really blessed, and it was just for them. You got nothing out of it, I understand. Uh, but, but I told you, it's taken, so bear with me. I have a, Peter has a special place reserved in my life. I have a special admiration for him. Because on the day of Pentecost with the wind and the waves and all the stuff, Peter's that guy that's always able to stand up. I mean, everybody is trying to interpret the move of the Holy Spirit. Well, they're just drunks. And Peter stands up in the face of a mocking crowd and say, I have a different interpretation. In order to move in the power of interpretation, you've got to be able to stand up in front of people that already think what they know what's going on. And Peter stood up in the face of people that had already said what was going on as they had asked the question, what mean is this? And he said, this is that. It's not the wine theory, it's the spirit theory. This is that that the prophet Joel had spoke about, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. This is a move of the Holy Spirit. Let me explain to you who the Christ was, and let me explain to you that Christ has sent the Holy Spirit into our lives. Let me say to you that the day of Pentecost, just like the day of resurrection, revolutionizes humanity. That on the day of the outpouring of Pentecost, that the Christ that died and rose now comes to abide on the inside of you. And you will never have to depend upon your own intelligence ever again. That God will never be separated or distanced from you ever again. He comes right into you and it starts a revolution. Can I tell you charismatics, Pentecostal, spirit filled people, we are here to start a revolution. To look at the world and say we are the alternative way. That this is the way you are to live. That this is normal. That you can now expect the God of power, signs, wonders and miracles of wisdom and knowledge to be at work in every area of your life. This was how you were created to live. This is how Jesus came to restore you. You are a human being that has been filled with and is under the leadership of the presence and the power. This is absolutely uncontrollable. This is absolutely a revolution of the real grace of God. And you see the real grace of God will never be tamed by your judgmentalism about how God ought to correct people because they've sinned. No, the grace of God will never be tamed by your pharisaical Judaism. It'll never be tamed. It'll go into the Gentile world. It'll go into places where you never thought it would go. It'll reach into languages that had never even heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, this is that. This is the Holy Spirit that overshadowed Mary and Jesus 
was created. This is the Holy Spirit that now begins to overshadow. You need to understand that we now hear uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ in our own tongue. They weren't talking about American or African. They were talking about that language that's facial expression. They were talking about an intimacy that knows how to reach down into your life and know something that only you know. And it begins to talk so intimate that all of a sudden all over this room you are hearing what you need to know not what I'm saying. And that person's hearing in their language and that person's hearing in their language because some of you got a love language of touch some of you got a love language of serving some of you got different language it's an intimate language and when I first met Christ he was talking Quentin's language he was talking my personal language it had nothing to do with the doctrine it had nothing to do with the theology it had to do with all of a sudden I know that I'm known in a way that only he could know So it is a language that has sounds that make no sense to the rest of the world. When I sat in front of my friend Francis, I got done and I'm weeping. And he looks up at me and he goes, the music is the same. He's the pontiff of the Roman Catholic Church. I'm a preacher of a Pentecostal church in Kansas. But when we begin to communicate with one another, the music is the same. You see, it'll cross over denominational lines. It'll cross over gender lines. It'll cross over national and ethical lines. It'll cross over political lines. It'll move down into what makes you you and what makes me me. And we'll discover that the base of it is God. They heard in other tongues. When you begin to hear in other tongues, He will show up in the lives of people that you had judged unworthy. He'll move into an intimacy. It'll be a language that's poised to unleash the people. Listen, I've never mastered a language, but I think I know this well enough that there comes a moment when you're trying to learn another language that you just have to surrender to it. That you just have to immerse yourself into it. Most people have never lived in the language of the Spirit of God because you've never just fallen into it and immersed yourself into it. There comes a moment that you just have to go stay in Mexico. Listen, I can speak a little bit of Spanish, but every time I get back around it, it just gets immersed and suddenly it moves beyond my lips into my mind. And I begin to, begin to think Listen to me, what you don't really understand is I think in tongues. I think in the heavenly language that I can recognize what's going on. That once I begin to hear certain language, I begin to think certain ways. And it's the impossible, it's the improbable, it's the above and beyond, it's the other. You have to understand that this phenomenon took place under the rule of the Roman Empire. Say empire. You know what empires are? Empires are people that come to impose upon you their lifestyle. They come to rule over you. They come to say, we're going to make you Roman. You're going to have our roads. You're going to have our education. You're going to work this way. We're going to have this economic. And they wanted worldwide domination. In the middle of a Roman captivity, at the same time, there was a Herod there. A Herod who was making deals with Rome. A Herod who wanted his own kingdom. So he made these little religious deals over here inside. And then you have the Pharisees. The Pharisees have a false sense of holiness. If you don't smoke and drink, if you wear a dress to church, if you do all the right things, then you are holy. Can I tell you that's a lie? That you'll never perform for God to be holy enough? You do understand the war is still going on today of whether or not you're holy and Jesus come to be compassionate. Because Jesus doesn't even need you to be holy. He comes to be compassionate on you even when you're unholy. You got the Pharisees and the Herodians going. And then you got the zealots hmm, beat the snot out of you and take control. Do you understand that no one ever wins by having more power than the other one? Your love for having violence is amazing to me. We now not only worship violence, we now buy things for our kids to play that shoot and kill people. 
We've told people that if they shoot enough people, they could win the war. Into the middle of that reality, the Holy Spirit shows up and says, nope, it's not about that. Nope, it's not about that. It's not about that. It's not about that. It's about the kingdom of heaven who loves people forgives people. I want to call you up out of this. And there's a language of the kingdom. It's not the language of politics. It's not the language of denomination. And it certainly isn't the language of a culture that accommodates its own sin. It's the language of a heavenly father that sees all people the same. And he calls you up out of that mess. Can I tell you, if you begin to interpret the gospel of what God is doing by any of those outlying things, you have missed the power of the Holy Spirit. We need a group of people that will step up out of things of this world and swear unto God, I will allow you to have a radical control over my life. If you want to move of the Spirit that brings healing to every sick person, if you want a ministry that frees people from every demonic resource, if you want a ministry that can absolutely rise above the wealth of this world, you'll have to come up out of that. It's called coming out of the world into the kingdom of God. That's called salvation. I haven't got the time nor the inclination to deal with anything other than a move of the Holy Spirit that speaks the language of the Most High God. I haven't got time to be caught up in those divisions because I'm telling you there is a language that comes from another world that supersedes all the rest of it. And in the middle of that context comes the Holy Spirit saying, speak like this. Notice how quiet it gets here because the first thing God's going to do is change your speech going to change your speech. It's out with the old and in with the new. And the old is gone and the new has come. This is the kingdom that's now at hand. What shall we do? Repent. Stop thinking like the Romans. Stop thinking like the Herodians. Stop thinking like the Pharisees. Stop thinking like the zealots and come in and think like the people of God. All of a sudden you're consecrated. Now you are holy. And you're above and you're speaking this language of the kingdom that everybody hears the gospel of Jesus Christ in their own intimate and personal way. And 3,000 people go, "Ah, he's Lord. Wow. See, to learn the language of another is to fall in love with the other. To learn a language of the other is to love their jokes, to love their humor, to love their land, to love their people. God comes and speaks the reality of what it means to be an individual. And we begin to recognize that God loves us like no other. In the midst of an empire, (laughs) the scattering of the Jewish people comes a new way. The Christ, the spirit of the living God that's open for the Romans, for the Jews, for the Gentiles, for the Medes. In the middle of this battle, faith now becomes the only thing that matters. And Peter stands up to say to you, The resurrection has started a revolution. And tongues is the resistance of the world. See, when I begin to speak in tongues, I'm resisting the language of the Romans. When I begin to speak in tongues, I'm resisting the language of denominationalism. When I speak in other tongues, I'm resisting the language of the culture. That I stand here and I begin to speak a language that's far and away and above and beyond. That resistance to the world is to learn the language of heaven. To walk in that language is to recognize that I am part of a revolution that began with the resurrection of the Christ. That the Roman Empire, the Herodians, the Pharisees, and the Zealots, they killed Jesus. But he was resurrected. And now he stands as the living hope of a people that can live in a revolutionary way. 
by following him and by speaking his language, which is always kind and considerate and loving. Now, can I tell you, I am not caught up in the debates of that nation or that nation, that gender or that gender, that color or that color. I am now rising above all of the things that entangle humanity. And I'm calling you into this revolution, this new kingdom, this new way. And you know I'm right. You can feel it in your heart. You can feel it in your soul. It's challenging thoughts that you have had. It's challenging habits that you've lived in. But I'm telling you, this is a moment where the Father's house can choose to rise above the echoes and the voices of this world and begin to respond to the voice of the Father and to follow Him. I've waited 40 years to be able to articulate this message. 40 years ago, I knew it, but I didn't understand it. 40 years ago, it came to me with tongues. Today, I have the privilege of being able to interpret it. It's taken me 40 years. Maybe I can save some of you a lifetime. Maybe. You'll trust me enough to come into the waters that are deeper than we've been satisfied with in the previous generations. We need people who are filled with faith, filled with the Spirit. We need people who will walk away from the old and step into the new. We need people who will hear the intimate language of the Father and interpret what's going on in our world. We don't need people that echo the Romans or the Herodians or the Pharisees or the Zealots. We need people that think in other tongues. We need people that'll think of the intimacies of a community that's filled with the power and the presence of God. We need to resist. We need not to give up the ground of what it means to be the spirit-filled church of Jesus Christ. We need not to be caught up in emotionalism or intellectualism. We need to be sober. We need to be diligent. We need to be honest and authentic. We need to draw lines between the world and ourselves. Not that we're opposed, but that we live as witnesses in this world of a people filled with and under the control of the spirit of the living God. Pentecostalism is the resistance. Pentecostalism is the revolution that was started by the resurrection of the Christ. It is the language of the kingdom of God. It is the language of the spirit of the living God. And if I can just simply go, I'm just six minutes late, hold on. If I can just simply go to St. Jude, I'll, I'll uncover where we're at. St. Jude in the 17th verse. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They're not even the words of Christ. They're the words of the apostles. Remember them. How they told you that there would be mockers, there'll be people that mock this in the last time, who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. There will be sensual persons who cause divisions and not having the spirit. That is where we're at. That is what's going on. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ 
unto eternal life. How do I live in the response of a world that mocks the things of God? How do I live in the midst of a world that divides by their own arguments? How do I do that? I pray in the language of the intimacy of the love of God. I stand knowing that the kingdom of heaven in its language is greater than any other. And as I pray in that tongue, my faith is strengthened. And I rise to that place where I'm able to live as a witness in the midst of all those other things. Loving my wife, loving my children, loving you, loving the world. I rise above all those other arguments. And I find peace in the midst of the pain in my own body. I find peace in the midst of those that have gone on early. I find peace in the midst of a pandemic. I find peace in the 21st century because I continually lean in to that which is beyond me, Rebecca, and just allow him to pray in an intercession that I don't even understand. And maybe 40 years later, I'll have a way to articulate it. Maybe. If you're willing to wait, if you're willing to wait, if you're willing to have to wait, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to help you discover the gifts that are inside of you. The gifts that you don't need my permission to use. Let me say that again. You don't need my permission. Gifts that will cause you to soar. Gifts that will bless others. Gifts that will be a witness to the world that we are the people of God. That excites me excites me beyond measure. I believe that the signs are sacraments. I believe when I pick up that bread and I pick up that wine, he said, this is my body and this is my blood. I believe that is a sign that Jesus came into the flesh, died in the flesh, and rose in a resurrected body. I believe that when we speak in other tongues, it is a sign that the Spirit of the living God is now living with inside of us. I believe that water baptism is a sacrament that conveys the cleansing power of God. I believe that bread and wine convey the ever-present presence of God. I believe when I speak in other tongues that it releases the Spirit of God. Amen. I am Spirit-filled. I honor the Scriptures. And I believe the sacrament reveals both. How do I walk in this, Pastor? Oh, that's actually the easiest part. Are you born again? Go ahead. Go go ahead. Don't be afraid. (laughs) I am unashamedly born again. I'm unashamedly the receiver of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I lean into the presence of God. For there is nothing that I have withheld from you. I've even given the throne next to me to you. I gave you the one that sits on that throne. Why would I withhold anything from you? Lean into me. 
Lay your head on my chest. Feel my breath on your face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have more and more and more and more and more that I want to release in your life. Don't shrink away. Just walk beside. And the anointing that's upon Elijah went upon Elisha. The anointing that was upon Jesus went upon the apostles. The anointing that was upon the apostles went upon those fathers that followed. And the anointing that's on the man of God in front of you will fall upon you. For I withhold nothing from you. Oh, my God. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers. And that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time. Yeah.